You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. If we respond in the wrong way to some of life's difficulties and struggles, right? It can only compound our situation. You've probably experienced that for yourself. So rather than doing that, seek the counsel of the Lord. Look to Him. Just rest and trust in Him, even as David did. You see, David's eyes were on the Lord, and thus that preserved him from taking unwise actions. David was just a man from a humble background. He came into a situation that would seem pretty hopeless to most of us. It certainly did to his fellow Israelites. A technologically advanced military was laying siege with a giant warrior on their side. Not only that, but Saul, their king, wasn't even rooting for David when he realized the threat he posed to his power. Despite all these circumstances, as Pastor Mike will point out today, David trusted in God, and he experienced success because of his faith. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 18 as he continues his message, The Favor of the Lord. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord or reverence of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. And again, the idea here is that Saul crossed a line. And I don't know exactly in any person's life where that line is, but it is a possibility where there's no you know, turning back. You cross that line and that's it. You know, the Bible tells us, for example, in the book of Genesis, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Can you imagine anything worse than that? Where God removes his spirit from an individual and there's no turning back? Where even in your own distress and calamity going forward, you call upon the Lord and he's not there to answer. Notice in verse 30, they would have have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way. In other words, he's letting them go. And be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, and here's the counsel, to me, will dwell safely. And will be secure without fear of uh, evil. Okay, some, so some pretty good counsel. So evil had disputed control over Saul's mind, 
emotions and will at this time. And so in a fit of pent-up rage, what does he do? He takes the spear that was in his hand and he tosses it at David. Notice there in verse 11, we're told exactly that. Now, let's go back to our text. Let me ask you a question concerning David. Did Saul's guards restrain Saul at this time? Did he hold King Saul back from another attempt to pin David to the wall with a javelin? Was David reassured by King Saul that this would never happen again? Okay, so for a moment, place yourself in David's shoes. I mean, he obviously resumed his position as singing those songs and playing his harp to comfort Saul in those times of distress. He took up his harp and sung a song again. But this was not the first time that Saul had threw a javelin looking to pin David up against the wall. Notice there in verse 11, we are told that he had to evade Saul's javelin twice. I mean, once would have been enough for any of us to know, hey, stay out of the presence of King Saul. Wouldn't you think, right? So what was going on here? And why did David continue uh, seeking to comfort Saul? Well, David probably attributed Saul's aggressive and hostile actions and behavior as some kind of mental disorder. Not, uh, you know, not uh, responding uh, rationally. Maybe he was thinking he wasn't responsible for his actions. Hey, it doesn't, you know, if that was me, I would have got out of there anyway. I would say, okay, maybe he's not responsible for his actions, but you know, how, did, you know, uh, you know, how does that play in, in, in my safety? Anyway, Saul, no longer able to tolerate David's presence, He's under conviction now, and so he made the farm boy shepherd, and it seems as if he's rewarding David, but is really only a part of a diabolical plan to kill David. He makes him a commander of part of Israel's army. Notice according to verse 13, we've already read that, with hope that this newly experienced, or actually inexperienced, general would be killed by their enemies, the Philistines. So that was his intent. That was the plan. And that's exactly why David was appointed to this new military uh, position, with hopes of the fact that because of his inexperience in battle, he would be killed on the battlefield, going up against the Philistines. But again, remember, God's favor was upon David. God was orchestrating all of the details in David's life working behind the scenes, pulling all of the strings, right? Orchestrating all of the details, preparing him for his eventual position as the new king over Israel. And thus David only gained more valuable experience in leadership. You know, this is another case where we are told in the 76th Psalm in verse 10, the wrath of man is turned to the praise of God. And only God has the capacity to be able to do something like that. So David prospered. Why? Because God was with him. He behaved himself maturely far beyond his years. And Saul's fears are now aggravated to the point of dread, while the people of Israel 
came to love their new hero, who was David. Let's revisit verse 16 one more time. There we are told, but all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in uh, before uh, them. And then in verses 17 and 18, let's pick up there. Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter, Merab. I will give her to you as wife. Only be valiant for me. Okay, another plan to take David's life from him and fight the Lord's battles. So notice, he was going to give him his daughter in marriage, but only if he went out against their enemies, the Philistines, in battle. Okay? Do you see that? He says, only be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. Notice he places the responsibility on the Lord. Again, this is another part, another diabolical plan of King Saul's to kill David. For Saul thought, let my hand not be against David, why? Because he had now gained the favor of the people, right? So he's sort of like going behind the scenes to do all of this. But let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So David said to Saul, Who am I, and what is my life, or my father's family in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? Now remember, going back to one of our past studies, after David killed the champion of the Philistines, Goliath, he should have been given Saul's daughter as his wife. It's recorded first in chapter 17 in verse 25. It was a part of the reward that Saul had promised for anyone who would go up against the Philistine champion, Goliath. Well, David did, and he was successful, he was victorious, but now time has passed. And David did not claim his prize. And the matter was forgotten. But with David now gaining in popularity, Saul devises another diabolical plot. And he says, listen, David, if you continue to distinguish yourself, act valiantly, I will reward you. And so all of this is under the pretense of patriotism. You see, he hoped David would be reckless and thus likely to be killed by the Philistines. Do you see that there? And that's what the indication of Saul's words mean. But notice in verse 19, we there read, but it happened at the time when Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Adriel, the, uh, the Maholite, as a, a wife. So, obviously there's a change of plan on King Saul's part. Saul is probably thinking perhaps Adriel should pay or could pay the king a suitable uh, dowry. And remember back then, if you, if you gave your uh, daughter uh, to a man, uh, a dowry would be involved. So he used her, that is Saul used her, his daughter, to barter some personal advantage. So once again here, Saul is guilty of a breach of faith and promise, and his actions actually humiliated David before the people. Now, let me ask you this question. What do you think about this? Was this simply another calculated move on Saul's part to kill David? You know, it's been suggested that Saul was thinking, because of the fact that David had been humiliated before the people, 
that David would retaliate and he would attack the king. And so Saul's bodyguards are alerted to this possibility and they're waiting to kill David, who would be guilty of an act of treason, simply to get rid of him. You know, many believe that the uh, 11th Psalm was written out of this particular experience. And and again, you, you know this, right? Many of the Psalms that are recorded in the book of Psalms were actually written by uh, David, and uh, they were written out of David's personal experiences. And so it has been suggested that David wrote this Psalm, that is Psalm 11, out of this experience. In fact, let's go there. I'd like to read that for you. It's a short Psalm. So Psalm 11, verse 1, in the Lord I put my trust. And this explains why David didn't retaliate. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on the string, probably referring to Saul, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. You know, Uh, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. This is what we can do. We can look to the Lord. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked, he will rain coals, fire and brimstone and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. And so again, it's been suggested that the Psalm 11 was written out of this particular experience, David's experience. Well, let's go back to David now. And notice there's no indiscretion upon David's uh, part. David's conduct here is inner thrust in God keeps him from falling into Saul's trap. And and by the way, this would be the very same thing that would keep you from falling into any of your enemy's traps. You know, if we respond in the wrong way to some of life's difficulties and struggles, right, it can only compound our situation. You've probably experienced that for yourself. So rather than doing that, seek the counsel of the Lord. Look to him. Just rest and trust in him, even as David did. You see, David's eyes were on the Lord, and thus that preserved him from taking unwise actions. And thus Saul failed in accomplishing his carefully diabolical plans. But now the men who comprised Saul's court, sensing the king's desire to be rid of David, seek to assist him with their own evil plan. Okay, let's pick up in our study now, verses 20 through 23. Now, Michal, or Michael, and you can pronounce this uh, name in a variety of different ways, Michal in the Hebrew, or Michael in the uh, Greek. So there in verse 20, let's begin there. Now, Michal, or Michael, Saul's daughter, loved David. And they, who was they, the members of Saul's court, told Saul, and the thing pleased him. Now, his, his wheels are spinning here. He's thinking about another way to, you know, have David be put to death. So Saul said, 
I will give her to him, that she may be a snare to him. Notice that. Not a blessing, but rather a snare to him. And that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. And therefore Saul said to David a second time, you shall be my son-in-law today. The first time it didn't work out for David, did it? And Saul commanded his servants, communicate with David secretly and say, look, the king has delight in you and all the servants love you. Now therefore become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servants spoke these words in the hearing of David. And David said, does it seem to you a light thing? to be a king's son-in-law, seeing I am poor and lightly esteemed by man. Okay, so these lackeys, that is that those that were a part of the king's uh, court, these lackeys, they tell David, the king wants you as a son-in-law. He initially noticed, David that is, declines, and then the news is brought back to the king. Okay, so then let's go on, verse 25. What do we read there? So Saul's servants spoke these words in the hearing of David. In other words, David didn't have anything to give to the king in the form of a dowry, right? He felt unworthy to be one of the king's son-in-laws. And David said, Does it seem to you a light thing to be a king's uh, son-in-law? But one... So the king does not desire any dowry. So notice, there's no strings attached kind of a thing. David, I just want you to be my son-in-law. You don't have to pay me anything. There's no dowry involved. But there's one stipulation. And what was that stipulation? And notice, this is a part of his plan to kill David. But 100 foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the uh, Philistines. Okay, so the real intent of the king is to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. And notice, not only to kill, but then also to mutilate. So after David was successful in his campaign, after killing 100 Philistines, that wasn't enough. Then he was supposed to, listen, this is pretty nasty business, right? He was supposed to mutilate their bodies and cut off their foreskins, a hundred of them, and bring them back to King uh, Saul, which would, of course, would have infuriated the Philistines even more than just simply killing them. And it would make them more determined to kill David. And then in verse 26, we read, And so when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law, And notice here, verse 26, now the days had not expired. So, David is pleased. He agrees. He hoped that his former relationship that he once had with King Saul would be restored. And then also notice there was some kind of a time quota involved, that short time, which is indicated by that phrase, the days had not expired. So Saul meant that for this thing to, be hap- to happen quickly, and in doing it quickly, he would have probably been killed doing it, right? And so let's pick up now in verses 27 and 28. Let's find out how uh, David fared. Therefore David arose and went, he and his men, and he killed not 100, but 200 Philistines. And David thought, 
uh, and actually David uh, brought their foreskins, 200 of them, and gave them in full count to the king, that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him Michal, or Michael, his daughter, as wife. So here, David was more than successful. He brought double the amount required, 200 foreskins. And Saul, at this point, knowing he could not sidestep his promise, gives his daughter, Michal, to David in marriage. And with renewed evidence of God's blessing on David. I mean, how can you even account for him being successful in his campaign? It's only because God was with him. God was all over him. And in verse 29 we read, And Saul was still more afraid of David, so Saul became David's enemy continually. And with this summary statement, the writer draws to a close the account of Saul's attempts to have David killed. And then finally in verse 30 we read, Then the princes of the Philistines went out to war, and so it was, whenever they went out, that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. Okay, so, through all of the difficulties David faced after killing Goliath, nevertheless, he continued to conduct himself wisely. And all of these things that we've been talking about this morning, although he was the object of the king's unmerited hatred, the victim of unrelenting plots, the one on whom the king projected his unbridled fears and ungoverned fury, David continued to remain steadfast and faithful to God and in his allegiance to the crown. And as such, David had favor with God and man. Why was that? Because you see, David did not need to defend himself. Why? Because he knew that God was his defense. Listen, the answer to overcoming, the answer to triumphing over life's difficulties, and listen, just because you're a Christian, you're not exempt from these kinds of difficulties and troubles, right? The struggles of life, the burdens that we carry, is having God's favor upon you. Having God's favor over you. Knowing that God is with you. Can you say this morning with great assurance that I am trusting, I put my trust in the Lord? Well, you can. That is, if you've invited Jesus to be part of your life. Have you made that choice? Have you made that decision? Have you invited Jesus to become your Lord and Savior? And if you have, you also can have great confidence, even as David had confidence. And you can be victorious over all things. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh my heart. We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Samuel. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online. Just go to the Resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on oneplace.com 
and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Would you like to connect with us on social media? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today. And we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.